What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Fireside with Fathers. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. It's been a a week stint there. We took a break. Um, as I said the last time, we're all back in Spain. Well, most of us. And we've been spending Christmas and the New Year together as a community. Uh, the last thing we spoke about was the death of Sister Ruth, which um, just within the community, we're already seeing fruits of it. You know, it's still kind of commenting and talking about the way she went and uh, reflecting on our own imminent future possible death and uh it has been it has been nice so if you haven't seen the the little uh, podcast we've done sister Ruth, check it out it was uh, two weeks ago that we did it um and this week as promised which we did mention uh the last time we're going to continue with the whole garabindal option uh with father column uh this week we're going to be kind of tying in marriage and the family uh within uh the apparitions of garabindal um our lady was very um adamant in like putting importance on newlywed couples couples that were going through problems in their marriage um i remember falcom did mention the example of the uh the boyfriend and girlfriend who felt like they weren't worthy to kiss the cross when conchita had her hand out the window and our blessed mother just was just persisting that Conchita stayed there until people called them out of the shadows and then they went and kissed the cross just to to show that she wants you know all young couples marriages to you know live it well and um like if you're watching it as well and if you're married and you have like you know some some marital questions or problems um or if you have even like family issues um uh, definitely leave the question in there because hopefully at the end we'll have time to just to kind of um, get some of your questions out there and answer them. I think today's nice because um, I know Father Colum, and a little bit on myself, just in our priesthood, like his would be a lot more, longer than mine, but um, just the experience that we would have had, whether it be um, in confession, uh, spiritual direction, or just basically daily life experiences that we've seen from a priest's point of view in marriage situations. And um, you kind of you kind of can pick some things out. And a lot of people would say like, well, you're a priest. You wouldn't really know what goes on in there. Um, you have to be married to understand it. I don't think that's true. I've I've seen very similar situations within married life and, and the community life, us living in community. Because at the end of the day, it's also like, you know, there's a community aspect there. You're married and you're promising to live with others for the rest of your life. And it's, very similar to what we do. So there's nuances, there's little pet peeves, there's, there's loads of things that can get in there and just start wedging. Because at the end of the day, the goal is separation. So, you know, anything and everything that can get in there just to separate is, is obviously the evil one's goal. But um, so we were in Garabandal on Saturday and I was just thinking, um, it was beautiful because it's just snowed. So it was all, it was all white. Um, and I was just thinking of like the world situation, you know, on the 6th. You got everything that's going on in D.C., um, which is going to have repercussions in the whole world, whether we like it or not. Usually what happens in the States has repercussions in the world. A lot of people are talking about a civil war, like, you know, this massive upheaval, the um, the mutation of the virus, the second wave, all this stuff that's in there. And I was just in Garabandal, just, you know, like this was all in my mind. And um, I mean, if you listen to the messages and if you if you read the book and see like, why our Blessed Mother came and what she said in Garabandal, how she was worried for her children. And she said that things are getting out of control. 
and it's 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 overflowing the cup you know of like of our crimes and our sins and everything and we need to change and convert it just all seems like it's coming to you know this this climax and um like i said if you watch the documentary the movie read the book it's almost just like after you know knowing the message of gary medall it's almost harder not to believe it than to believe it that this is just it seems as clear as day you know like providentially god is sending us his mother to to wake us up so i mean it's just the times that we're in now but um anyways we can hopefully um build more off of that and if you would have any questions there as far as like the situation in Garabin and anything just feel free to to fire away but um we'll give it to you father Colm, and uh maybe we can just get started here with a prayer you can start with a hail mary and then uh we'll get into the uh the subject Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Grace the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, and our Mother, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we have here our trusty manual, uh, Garabanda, Message of Hope. I have it here in Spanish. Being in Spain, I don't have the English version, but it is translated. And we're uh, continuing to unpack the prophetic relevance of Garabanda for our times. In the Spanish version, it's well on page 78, uh, the author, Father José Luis Saavedra, says that in the 70s, or, sorry, in the 60s, when the apparitions took place, nobody suspected that the family could be in such great danger, the institution of the family. We're talking about a small village in the north of Spain under under Franco. Um, Spain has always been such a Catholic country. Uh, a, Span a socialist government got into power in the 70s and the leaders said, we're going to change Spain. We we'll give ourselves five years to change Spain to the point where her own mother won't recognize her. So this is uh, before that, this is a good 10, 15 years before, before that. No, about 10 years. And um, now we're in a situation where, I, I, th I think I just read a couple of days ago that Pope Francis has declared the coming year the year of the family. And if you unite that with uh, Cardinal Cafarra's testimony that in conversation with Saint, with um, with Lucia, the, the last seer of Fatima to die, Sister Lucia, um, she said to him that the final battle, the, the forthcoming final battle is going, uh, the, 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 the battlefield is going to be marriage and the family. She said that to him. He, he has given testimony that she said that to him. I don't know if she said, put it in writing as well, but in any case, it's very clear when I say the forthcoming final battle, obviously I'm talking about final again in terms of um, 
the, the end of one period of time and the beginning of another, not in terms of the end of the world. That's something I think we've clar clarified in a previous talk, have we? Yeah, we did mention we mentioned that. Yeah, not we should, but anyway, that's uh, because Garab and Garamandal prophesies prophesizes the changing. What is it? The end of the of these times, not the end of the world and the second coming. That's very clear in Garamandal. So we're not talking about the end of the world and the second coming and uh, and final judgment. Um, Pope Ratzinger, Pope Benedict has also spoken about our being in the, the beginning of a new period of time. We're in, the, we're in the death pangs of one period of time and the birth pains of another. And Pope Francis himself has also used the expression that we're, we're, we're not living in an epoch of changes, but in a change of epoch. Now, how you interpret, how he might interpret that, I don't know. He might interpret that in one sense, and others might interpret it in another. You know, he might not inter he might not interpret it in the same way that it's um, prophesied in Garbandal. But everyone seems to be on the same page as far as recognizing we're in the midst already of a great social and religious and ecclesiastical upheaval period of upheaval, and all of this is uh, prophesied in Garbandal. So I'm just uh, pointing that out to, to put things in context. As Father Jose Luis does here, nobody could have foretold, uh, could have imagined the danger that the family was in, at least in a family in a, in a country like Spain. And yet, um, precisely at, at that time, there was a great shadow over the West of the Western world insofar as uh, concerns the institution, the institution of the family. The disintegration of the family has spread uh, first among non-Catholics in an alarming way and, uh, and, and has affected also the uh, people of faith. In France, for example, in the years 1965 and 1966, one of every 10 marriages ended in divorce. That's in the, the mid-60s. You can imagine what it's like now. Uh, in Spain at that time, the crisis was not nearly as, as serious as that. Um, and in Garabandal, it's, it's, it's a matter that people wouldn't have even... It's not a subject that would have been raised at all as a concern. This circumstance demonstrates, he says, that the apparitions are not just for Garabandal or for Spain itself, but for the whole world, that Our Lady is, um, is warning against this coming crisis. Uh, when I read that, I think of, I think of my own life, and uh, Ireland at the time would have been very similar to Spain. Uh, in, in, in so far as her Catholicism was concerned, I kind of consider myself a 55-year-old dinosaur because, uh, because mm, I don't recognize the society I grew up in, you know? I'm only 55, which is relatively young, um, but the changes I've seen, like uh, when I was a kid, for example, in all the time I was in school from the age of four up to 17, 
I can only remember one boy whose parents were separated. Uh, I grew up in a society where pornography was not available. Um, even the the page three girl in the sun like uh, was was forbidden. You know, topless girls in, in 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 tabloid newspapers was forbidden until later on. Um, I think I was nineteen when the when the selling of artificial contraception was decriminalized. You know, it was illegal. Um, and uh, so contraception was illegal. Uh, abortion obviously was illegal, and uh, and divorce was illegal, and uh, they had a referendum on it, and it was it was uh, defeated, and then they 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 had another one, you know, they don't give up, um, and now we have the proud record of being the only country in the world to have voted by popular vote, not not imposed upon us by by lawyers or by uh, you know, Supreme Courts or whatever, like you have in the States, or by politicians even, um, we're, we're, the, we're the first and I think the only country in the world that has voted by popular vote that a man can marry a man, that a woman can marry a woman, and that, uh, that a, a mother has the right to kill her child in her womb. Um, as, as far as I uh, recall, it hasn't even been specified yet. Um, up to what point? So we have um, among the most liberal abortion laws in the world, and uh, a, a divorce obviously is is rampant as well, and marriage breakdown. Um, and like you said to me there uh, earlier, before we got on air, it's like there's the sense that you know we are living in this social disintegration that that uh, that our lady foretold. And that marriage and the family is under serious crisis, you know. Um, of course, now the next step is to persuade us that a boy can be a girl and that a girl can be a boy. That you know, you 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 mutilate a boy by um, by amputating his genitalia and you pump him up with uh, with, with hormones and with silicone, um, and now he's a girl, you know. <laughs> And we're supposed to, you know, the level of um, acceptance of all of that, too, for me, the, the fact that people are not, you know, th th their sense of the absurd is so, is so weakened by this kind of um, stupid tolerance and indifference and live and let live kind of mentality, as if it doesn't affect me or my children or, any, or anything else, uh, is, part of, is part of the problem, is part of the you know, maybe it's what's most worrying of, of all. So um, I suppose what Garabandal is trying to do is to call us back to, well, first of all, common sense and reason and a, a sense of the truth, but also to faith. Um, as far as marriage and the family is concerned, I think as people drift away from God and from the practice of, of faith and the, and the reading and, and meditating of the gospel, um, they go into marriage with two huge disadvantages. One is that if you bring to a human creature expectations of happiness that can only be fulfilled uh, in the heart of God, 
then you're doomed to disappointment, to bitter disappointment. Does that make sense or should I rephrase it? I understood it, yeah. Like if, if people that don't have a faith like don't have they're not seeking God, they're not they don't have a relationship with God, they're cut off, you know, by secularism. Secularism, as you know, means uh, comes from secula in 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 Latin, which means the century. So if they're living um, on a horizontal level, uh, temporal level, without any reference to the vertical and the eternal, without any reference to God and the transcendental. And, and God who has become a child and the child Jesus in Bethlehem and so on to, in order to have a relationship with us, if they don't seek that relationship, um, then they enter into the, to the marriage agreement, either on the civil level or the, or the sacramental level, um, uh, with ex hopes and expectations of happiness that are just simply unrealistic. Because if you bring to a, hu a human creature expectations of happiness that only God can give you, then you're going to be disappointed. And you're going to disappoint the other person as well. And the other thing I would say that the other disadvantage that um, our society has now is they're not educated in the cross and the mystery of the cross and how to live suffering. And the whole, like there's a whole list now of taboo words like obedience, like um, uh, sacrifice, like submission. Um, but if you if you if you don't live those those realities, if you're incapable of living those realities, you're going to be doomed to you know tension and conflict, and as you said, eventually separation, division, divorce, um, and the destruction, the disintegration of the family. And when they don't, when people don't have that uh, education and the mystery of the cross and how to live it, then you just become increasingly bitter, and everyone's a victim soul. Everyone's a victim soul. Everyone's indignant, you know. Um, inevitably, in human um, concourse, in in, in in human society, be it on the fam familial level or the in general you're going to have to suffer injustices. And you're going to probably make other people, not probably, you're definitely going to make other people suffer injustices too, because we don't always live justly. Uh, we misbehave, we, we, we commit, mm, we have moments of clumsiness, of uh, lack of consideration, of um, betrayal, sometimes little betrayals, sometimes major betrayals, and if there's not an attitude of forgiveness and of uni uniting that with Christ, then, then the heart just becomes increasingly uh, bitter and hardened. And like I say, everyone's a victim. So, so you have, you know, women are victims, um, black people are victims, uh, homosexuals are victims. Um, it just goes on and on and on. I'm thinking of founding a, a new movement called Orange Lives Matter. Um, because I, I don't know if you've noticed, if you've observed from there in Ireland, but uh, the way they the way they attack Donald Trump, like I mean, I'm not saying Donald Trump is the Messiah and he's not perfect, but I find it funny how they how they have a go at him about the color of his hair and the color of his skin, you know, and they call him the Orange Man, and they and they do it 
with mockery and, and contempt, like, you know, okay, the, there's an element of humor in it, but the spirit is not, it's bad, bad. Uh. There's hatred there. And, uh, you know, being an orange man myself, you know, having grown up as an orange man, I'm thinking of, you know, writing to him that, he, that, we, that we get another movement going now called, you know, OLM, Orange Lives Matter. And uh, start breaking windows and you know burning cars and stuff. You know? I think you. I think you'd be. I think you'd be a hundred percent justified, and you might have. You probably have followers. You probably. You probably have. Yeah, there's, yeah, and then another one maybe for bald people. You know, bald <laughs> lives matter. You know, and uh, for sharp people and freckled people, and we're all victims. God help us. You know, yeah. blacks are victims. The, the 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 tinkers are victims, and. As, as somebody has said in uh, um, a, a, a thinker there in the States, she said, victims are the worst bullies. And uh, I think that's a very, very incisive uh, expression. Uh, victims are the worst bully bullies. And victims cause divorces and ruin marriages and ruin, ruin families. Because if you enter into that vibe of constant criticism and, and bitter uh, pro protestation against, oh, woe is me, all I have to suffer, and this, that, and the other, uh, it's a consequence of not knowing how to live suffering, how to live the cross, how, how to live the hundred little thorns of daily, of daily coexistence with other human beings. And when people do know how to live that and how to how to when when they're the eyes of their hearts and souls are focused on Christ and they're receiving in prayer and in the sacraments that uh, spiritual uh, eternal life that spiritual energy that enables you to forgive and to overcome and to ask for forgiveness and to begin again and begin again and begin again joyfully and tirelessly because it's a supernatural um, mystery of, of that communicates that life that capacity uh, then 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 there's harmony and then there's uh, and then there's generosity and, and unity and uh, you know all the all the other fruits yeah and it's something i've seen in my own in my own family like i say i'm a 55 year old dinosaur i grew up in a family of 11 and uh, my own parents they were both dentists and they could have chosen to be well off and have a nice, comfortable lifestyle. They started going out with each other when they were about 19 and 20. And they went out with, with each other for three years. And they fought so much that they had to pack it in. They had to give it up. And uh, they went their separate ways for seven years. My mother went to London and my father went to Yorkshire in northern England. And um, they met up again seven years later when they were in, you know, around 30, 31, 32, 30, 31, 32. And they got married six, year, six months later. And uh, in the 50-odd 50, 50 years that I um, shared this planet with them before my father died a couple of years ago, I never saw them have a serious row in my whole life. So uh, for me, at some point, they made some kind of a pact, but they also had, you know, sacramental grace. And uh, I consider myself enormously blessed 
to to be uh, to have been the, the child of a happy marriage. And I, as a priest, you know, I see the tremendous confusion and um, schizophrenia and brokenness that is caused in children and young people by by divorce and the destruction of, of the marriage of, of the family. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like in the beginning when you said that about uh, Kafara and Lucia when she said the last battle was going to be on marriage and the family. But I was kind of thinking just like from the beginning, it seems like it's always been something that has been per like the, the, the principal target. I would say like if you had to really go at something, it would be good to go to the family because that's like the nucleus. But then you did mention all the basically the novelties that we deal with, you know, like the uh, the technology to change somebody's you know, sex, uh, or like, you know, the, this whole push for gay marriage on such a universal level, uh, contraceptives, um, abortion and so on, like the big, et cetera. So you could say, I think you definitely could justify that to say like these times are, is probably the hardest times that the family has had to have lived. And then another thing that, um, I think we mentioned it in another one that I just, when I remember when I re read the book on Garibandal, I didn't understand how it would be like realistic when our lady said that, Russia would spread her lies, like communism, I think they understood that communism would spread on a more like uh, universal level. And that's, you know, one of the, I think one of the signs that it's like, you know, um, I'm not sure how they finished it, but I, I do remember her saying that, no, like communism was going to spread its, its lies. But um, I remember us talking about how like, maybe it's not going to be like a communism that, that we would have been used to, I don't know, like, just looking back in the history, you know, and Russia, like in China, I don't, because I never could think that would happen to the States, but the whole principle of melting down the solids, from what I understand, like that was a big principle in communism is that you had to melt anything that was solid, like structures, um, the faith, church, family, family was something that has to also be, you know, you had, you had kids ratting on their parents. Um, there's just no one could trust anything. Family slowly started to get melted down. The whole idea of God, nation, um, like I think you could easily see that that's happening right now. Like in our, like you you grew up in a, a solid family. Um, apparently those are the three pillars. No, like the family, school, and church. And they say when you take yeah. you take one of those out, and then the young the young person starts to like you know, stagger. You could take out the church, you could take out the school, but if he has a good family, he should be okay because that's at the end of the day that's the strongest pillar because that's what he's living in and that's what he, he's most comfortable and trustworthy with you grew up in a good family i myself grew up in a very good family as well but that's almost becoming like that's not the norm really like i, I mean it's it's you said you you knew one guy who had you know maybe his, his parents were divorced but i would say that's almost the norm now maybe two right. or three years they're together then they separate um and they 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 break up but um, I think we all, yeah, we're all kind of, you know, I think everybody's seen that and there's a, it's kind of a concern. But what I thought was very consoling also in, in Our Lady's visit to Garibandal, uh, two things like I just wanted to underline um, and then you can take it wherever. But um, of all the objects that she was kissing, because it was something that she would do, she would ask the little girls to kiss objects and then she would give them back to them. And it was part of like the the supernatural phenomena of Garamandal because the girls would have hundreds of rosary beads like up and down their arms. And uh, it looks like there was just like this big tangled mess and they would 
randomly pick a rosary and they would pull it, you know, they lift it up to our Blessed Mother. She'd kiss it and then they would give it back to the the exact owner of the rosary beads. And that was something that really surprised the people how they were po like how that was even possible. Um, like little holy cards and other things. But one of the, uh, this comes out in the book, the most kissed object or the most asked for object uh, were wedding rings that Our Lady would ask for. She would ask to see or kiss wedding rings. And um, apparently the girl said that she, she took huge joy in kissing them. Um, and that was probably uh, one of the most powerful scenes in the movie. Uh, personally, not for me, but for a lot of people, they said it was one of the most powerful scenes um, when, uh, there's a there's a married couple kind of like a little bit off into the distance and Conchita walks backwards um, looking up at Our Lady and she puts the ring on the husband's finger and he starts, you know, crying. And it was like a reconciliation moment for both of them. It was something that had happened in the, uh, in the actual the actual event. But in the movie, the portrayal of it, people said that it was it was probably one of the most powerful scenes for them because it was like our Blessed Mother wanting to get back inside of that union inside of that marriage to keep it together and it did like it it, it brought them back together and uh, i just thought that detail of her kissing um the wedding rings and they say i think this is also from father jose luis that um jose maria scriva the founder of opus day was in garabandal like he would have known the apparitions and he would have visited them and the girls remembered him he was the the nice priest who would give him little candies and uh, he was a very big fan of when he would marry people or when he was giving marriage, um, marriage encounters and counseling, he would have the couples kiss each other's rings. Um, and he said the more they did it, the better, you know, just like the husband would take the wife's hand and he would kiss the ring. And then she would do the same thing with with his to kind of like try to recall, remember their first you know, love, um, the promises they made. He always would say, like, especially in the hardest moments, like if you can overcome yourself and kiss your wife's ring in that moment, um, huge graces will come from it. So I almost kind of wonder maybe if it's something that he was inspired, you know, from from his his stint or his little time in Garabandal or not. But um, I think it is beautiful, you know, like just married couples. Knowing that our Blessed Mother is is crazy to keep them together, you know. And just the fact that that would have been one of the most kissed objects in Garabandal also proves it. And another beautiful thing is, is that she visited every single house. I don't know if you remember reading that as well. She was she was in every single house um, and she wanted to bless it with her presence. Like she wanted um, the family to know that she was like she wanted to be the center there of the of their of their family. And it kind of reminds me of um, me myself growing up, like family rosary was obligatory. There was there was very few rules that my dad would lay down so so adamantly. And uh, one of them was that we were never allowed to get tattoos. He said that we, we could get them, but he said he would belt sand them off of us if uh, if he found out. If he found out we had a tattoo, he'd bring us out to the shed and he'd, he'd use his belt sander to sand it off. So that, I, I believed him. And even when I was in the university, like there was a group of lads that went out to get tattoos. And I remember like I didn't get in the car um, and they knew that I thought I was kind of like, you know, interesting, get one because I had my dad in his belt sand in the back of my head and I was convinced he would do it. You know, I would have been 20 years old, but I still believed he was going to sand it off me. And the, uh, the other rule was the family rosary that we had to be there at eight o'clock and, um, we had to pray the rosary, whether we liked it or not, if we wanted shelter and food to live in the house. And, um, I'm convinced that that's what, 
that's what saved me. But it's almost like, you know, yeah. inviting our blessed mother into the house, you know, like getting her in there in the midst of it. But um, that was a very strong message also in uh, Gerbena. I think the idea of, um, of kissing the, the marriage rings comes from Pope John Paul, the, Pope John the 23rd. Um, and Saint Jose Maria Escrivá may well have, um, you know, promoted that a lot. Uh, Father Patrick Peaton said, uh, you know, that part of the one of the promises of the Rosary is that the the family that prays together stays together. Uh, that was uh, something that was uh, sacred and constant in my home as well, even though it didn't survive our teenage years we just became so resistant to it that my parents were kind of um, forced to make a strategic a strategic withdrawal at that point and uh, pray for us in their bedroom and conceive us spiritually <laughs> where most likely they had conceived us physically uh, with with uh, with labor pains you know of the soul um, just to, to yeah the 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 the, one, the moment you mentioned about the wedding ring the wife slipped the ring into Anchita's pocket without saying anything and i think the marriage was under strain and uh conchita was instructed by the virgin to, to to remove the ring from her pocket that she didn't even know she had there and she gave it to Our Lady to bless, and then Our Lady guided her back to the couple. As a matter of fact, it was a friend of the wife who put it in her pocket, in Conchita's pocket. The couple didn't even know, or, or maybe the, the wife had given it to the friend. Anyway, but he, he knew nothing, and it was given back to him, uh, his own recognizable wedding ring, kissed and blessed by Our Lady. And it was a moment of healing and conversion in the, in the marriage. Um, to tie it in a bit with what you said about communism, like the biggest error of communism that has been spread throughout the world is precisely atheism and uh, hatred of the Catholic Church. Um, and that's still very much kind of a defining, probably the main defining characteristic of the society we're living in of, of the West secularism, which is another way of saying uh, atheism or agnosticism, living without God. And that in itself is um, a recipe for chaos in all the units of society. You mentioned the parish, the family, and the, the teaching room, the classroom, because you know, you know the parable they tell about the spider that we um is it weaved or wove i'd say wove wove a web, wove a web over the between two trees over the stream and he labored well into the evening and then rested from his labors and when he woke up in the morning he saw um the rays of the sun and the dew uh, glistening you know the rays of the sun coming through the the, the web and the trees over the over the the river, the the stream, and the beauty and the symmetry of of what he had created. So um, he he kind of stood there, 
below his his the work of his own <laughs> of his own legs and um and was mesmerized by the by the beauty and the splendor of and the and the architectural perfection of it but then the more he looked the the the, the more it seemed to him that there was um there was one thread that was spoiling the symmetry of the whole thing um up towards the top so he you know scampered across the i think they have little paths where there's where the where they, the 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 um, the web is not sticky and they know they know which way to go in order to get not not to get stuck in their own webs so anyway he scampered across and he cut this uh this annoying uh, anti-symmetrical um, thread and of course the whole thing collapsed because it was the thread that with which he had begun and it was the one that was sustaining from above the entire edifice and if, and then the, of course the, the spiritual application is that that thread represents man's link with God from which uh, grace comes down and gratitude must go up um, and that's what sustains the whole edifice Grace is 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 undeserved love, and gratitude is um, is a is a is a is a debt of love in response to that undeserved love, you know. So so when you cut that, when man mesmerized by his own by his own ingenuity um, cuts that thread, the the the. Mm, the story of Babel comments on it in the gospel when man um, coordinates his own resources with his fellow man and he builds a tower to reach up to heaven without any reference to God, just by by his own, you know, by human ingenuity and collaboration and, and so on and so forth, because we're so brilliant and we're so gifted and we can we can figure all this out ourselves, you know. The Bill Gates of the world and the uh, and the George Soros's and um, you know dozens and hundreds of others, who some of whose names I know and others that I don't know. There is a whole um, you know uh, combination of elites in all the areas of finance, economics, politics, whatever, um, and they decide that they can you know they can fix things. Globalism. That's like for me, globalism semantically in other words in terms of the meaning of the word is quite closely related to catholicism because globalism means the entire globe and catholicism means the entire universe so globalism is is um it shares that error of communism to create a, har a fraternal harmony of man without any reference to god i mean that's the big the big and most important error of communism that's been spread throughout the world, and we're still like there's a that's, that's still very very much a, a defining characteristic of our society. That's everywhere, yeah. So, I'd say that's in all so, all sectors of. Right. So so that in that that moment where of Our Lady kissing the ring is is key, you know that, and all of Garabandal is about God through Our Lady with Our Lady, desiring to erupt. Um, in, other, in other words, to break back into um, human, the human experience, human existence. 
I think just going off of that, we just saw um, a documentary just a couple of days ago on the uh, the fourth um, technological revolution. Um, sorry, I think it's the fourth industrial revolution, but it's the technological revolution. Um, right. The Schwab guy, I think he's the one who's penned that. Yeah. But um, it, it like the whole thing was kind of just basically saying like where we're going and where we need to go. And it was it was pretty it was pretty sick, actually, just watching it, you know, like where they're they're kind of their dreams for a, a near future. And uh, at one point, um, like the documentary put on a little short trailer of their great reset, you know, like the great reset that they're talking about that basically everybody's talking about. Um, but I thought it was kind of I don't know, I could be wrong, but I just was listening like this this little trailer just shows basically where we've come, right? It's like, I guess, you know, cutting that, that web and then seeing what happens when you cut, got out of the picture. It's just like disaster everywhere. It's, um, you know, there's like a, 